All right. Welcome back to Extra AI, a podcast series on AI and machine learning applications, where we demystify AI and help you build valuable business use cases. After a brief break of two weeks, where we have uh, where I had to attend a podcast on another platform, I come back here as the host, Raghu Banda and with an extraordinary guest who's a powerhouse in the AI domain. So please welcome me in inviting Tobias Wingman, the managing partner of Rapid.ai. With over 15 years of experience, Tobias has been instrumental in accelerating business adoption of AI and machine learning in Germany. He's not only an AI maestro, but also an acclaimed author of AI-powered business intelligence, or AI-powered BI. But wait, there's more. Tobias' insightful weekly newsletter, AI4BI.rocks, is a treasure trove for data professionals as well. And his dedication to education has enriched over a thousand students in data science through webinars, online training, and mentorship. And one more thing, Tobias is also an influencer in the world of AI on LinkedIn with over 50,000 followers. And he generates a lot of interest in the articles that he shares as well. So I'm pleased to welcome Tobias in today's conversation where we focus on the power of AI. As always, you will find more details at the end of the podcast conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation. All right, uh, welcome back to our podcast series, Extra AI. We are in the season six. And uh, today I had the honor of uh, inviting a guest, Mr. Tobias Zwingman, on the topic of how, on the topic of the power of AI, and we'll focus a bit more on AI in the context of BI. Uh, he, Tobias has authored a book. He's also an AI coach and a mentor. And there are a lot of things that I would like to also ask Tobias. Uh, so let us get started. So welcome on board, Tobias. Thanks, Raghu. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, so um, maybe I'll first uh, try to get into this. Uh, the first question that I have in my mind is like, maybe uh, this is how I kind of get started with my conversations when I get the guests on board, right? Like, rather than me speaking out about, uh, I would like to hear more from the guest. Can you can you tell us a little bit, a bit of a background uh, about how, your connection with AI and how you got into this uh, AI world. Yeah, sure. Um, so I would say I would describe myself as a uh, data scientist with a uh, business, being a business person at heart. <laughs> so um, I originally have a background in business administration. I did my bachelor degree there uh, quite a while ago. Uh, then I did an IT management degree, a master in IT management uh, a couple of years later. And that was eventually when I just kicked start my, my data science career. Um, essentially, our programming got me into this whole uh, into this whole space, and yeah, it was really a, like a, a a journey, I would say, you know, over the past, you know, over the past decade, really, 
was nothing that happened overnight. Uh, I have the uh, impression that AI suddenly becomes popular or became popular overnight. Uh, but you know, the, the real fun for me was to really go through those different stages of understanding how, how data can drive businesses, not only machine learning, but really just, just plot, you know, just, just plain data and data-driven insights and uh, at, at the very, at the very core of that. And then trying to open, open the hood and look under the hood of machine learning and how that works. And when I figured out that it's actually not that complicated as mm -hmm. it at least seems to be, uh, you know, that got me really excited into diving deeper into areas like AI. And um, yeah, I'm really glad to have taken this journey because I think, uh, you know, this is really where the future will be heading, um, even though there's a lot of, you know, controversial takes around that and, you know, how AI will shape us as a society. But I think um, really that AI holds a lot of opportunities for both, you know, people and businesses out there. So I'm really excited to be in that space right now. Amazing. I like uh, I like the aspect that you brought about data, right? So data is, uh, this is where I think all these conversations go on, right? Like data is the new oil and with all this information that is available and how you could leverage or use this information to make real meaning or real insights out of it. And I believe that is where your focus area is as well. Uh, so just like how I do uh, on my conversations, I start with a teaser question with my um, guests. Uh, so I would like to uh, put this question in a different way. Maybe could you provide a personal or a professional example, whichever may sound better, uh, whichever may uh, you might want to share with regard to your influence on AI or how AI influenced you? In the past, you might have noticed that things have been working in this way, but without even realizing, you now you know that there is a factor of AI or a factor of data data-driven AI? Yeah, I think, like, I, I like to think in a, uh, about AI in really practical terms, um, honestly. And, and when I would like to, you know, share, you know, a personal example of how a, AI has, has influenced me, um, I can only take one example, which has also, you know, uh, managed to be in my book, which I wrote last year, mm -hmm. um, that is how to use AI in order to, you know, turn unstructured uh, data and in this particular case PDF documents into really structured data, uh, and this is you know a, a a process which a lot of people don't really you know like think about when when they think about AI. You know, a lot of people think about like predicting stuff and so on, which is like correct, you know, and also like you know using ChatGPT and so on. But I think you know one uh, real advancement of AI is also to be able to you know take data that is normally not really available for. Uh, analytics or further automation processes, like, for example, extracting information from like plain PDF data, you know, plain PDF data files, you know, which are ubiquitous in, in businesses, which are everywhere in businesses. Uh, and now we can actually use AI to extract information from that. And that's actually working pretty well out of the box without, you know, training your own AI models. So, so like there are tons of different AI services out there that will help you to extract information from like PDF documents. And that might sound like a really trivial use case or a really trivial example, but at the same time, um, there are like a gazillion different opportunities in businesses where you can take like these kind of like, you know, uh, scanned files or scanned documents or PDF files and try to, you know, unlock some insights in them and at least try to run some first descriptive statistics around them and then, you know, maybe dial into diagnostic statistics or diagnostic analytics and and, and so on. So um, I think, you know, this is really 
uh, a, a huge possibility for AI to unlock those unstructured data sources, um, which I very often, you know, like to like to start with, uh, because I think it's something that, you know, a lot of people understand. And uh, it's also a challenge that a lot of businesses have, right? Uh, because as you said, um, data is the new oil. I'm, I'm not too sure if I would, you know, underline this, but it's definitely one of the, like one of the most precious resources that, you know, companies have. Uh, but at the same time, like data doesn't really, you know, come by nature or natural in 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 like clean tables, right? It's all around us. It's happening in unstructured text. It's happening in unstructured, as I mentioned, documents or images or whatever. And I think we need technology in order to bring that into a format that can help us uh, to you know get insights from this data. And um, you know that's that's why I also like you know to start at, at this very core of you know trying to unlock unstructured data sources with AI. Beautiful. I think, um, yeah, I like the example that you have quoted, right? Like there is a lot of different information that comes in different ways. And when you say that unstructured documents or unstructured PDFs, that's a very humongous amount of information. And how you do you unlock the information out of that? I think that's a great example. And I, it very well resonates with me because we have been working on some similar use cases uh, at my workplace. Uh, but yeah, before we get into our uh, real conversation, um, uh, maybe could you also share some thoughts or interesting thoughts about the, I know we hear a lot of AI is no longer a hype or a, mm, uh, it's more like become a buzzword now for the last uh, few quarters, I would say, with the with the inception of these new large language models. Of course, we know about how all this evolution is happening, but any thoughts about these upcoming AI advancements in the current world that you would want to provide before we get into our introduction? Yeah, I think this is right now, it, it's really an exciting space. Um, you know, there's this saying that uh, we as people, we try to like over estimate or over-exaggerate, you know, the technological advancement that will happen in the next 12 months, but we tend to underestimate, you know, the advancements in the next five years. Um, so, and I think this also applies to AI and especially uh, the whole LLM space. Mm -hmm. uh, if you ask me, I think the hype is real. Um, like I personally, I'm using tools like ChatGPT, but also other LLMs on a daily basis. I see people using this who have no technical background at all, you know, using ChatGPT in order to produce text, to plan their day, to just get a second opinion on something. It's really in a way revolutionary because it has, you know, this high, extremely high user adoption. On the same side, I think, you know, when it comes to using these techniques in a um, business setting or in many enterprise settings, I feel there's still a long way to go until we get to a point where, you know, this becomes natural to use for, you know, for businesses. And um, I don't know how long this will take, honestly. Uh, and it's very hard, I guess, right now to um, make a, you know, to, to um, yeah, to, to make a prediction about the speed of the development in this space. Um, so that, that will be really exciting to, to watch this whole area. But I think we have really kind of like, you know, opened the box right now and everyone's trying to figure out how to use that. Um, and I would say rightly so, like I, I can only uh, encourage every business to, to figure out if there's any uh, you know, potential for them in, in this technology or not. I'm not saying that everyone should jump on this hype train, but I think every business right now should be, you know, at least um, ask themselves the question, like, is there something that AI is, you know, uh, impacting my business or is there something that I can use that for? And like, if there's no opportunity right now, fine. 
But I think you should at least ask yourself that question and really, you know, spend some time in order to, um, you know, to, to think about that and then, uh, you know, make a, uh, you know, just 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 make a, uh, a a conclusion based on that. Yeah, right. I think you rightfully mentioned about, uh, I know this is also one of the other areas, right? Like apart from uh, AI coaching and AI ment mentoring, you also uh, guide uh, businesses how they can transform using AI. I think that is also one of your niche area. I believe maybe we'll also touch base that in our conversation later today. Yeah, sure. All right, uh, welcome back. So let us now get into the meat of our today's conversation, the power of AI, which, which is what I want to focus on, right? Like, uh, I know we briefly touched based about this, um, uh, Tobias, before our break, and I know this is also one of your niche area about uh, uh, advising or guiding uh, uh, some of the enterprises and the enterprise businesses about transforming their businesses with AI. So how do you, uh, maybe could you say a few words about how do you see AI transforming enterprises and the consumer businesses? Yeah, sure. So I think right now AI is transforming or at least challenging a lot of businesses more than ever. Um, and this is mostly due to the huge adoption of uh, AI services like ChatGPT. So to give you an example, like one year ago, more or less, you know, we had the situation that uh, obviously companies were playing around with AI. They launched some AI projects or prototypes, uh, you know, did some ML research and so on. But all these projects were more or less controlled by a more or less small department, you know, often like a data lab or an AI lab inside an organization or a data team. And they had control of it, right? They had control over developing the models and putting the models into production and, and you know, doing these things. Mm -hmm. And then ChatGPT happened overnight and suddenly everyone went, went crazy about that. And, you know, they asked questions about ChatGPT, pasted their email into that. And suddenly overnight, uh, the average enterprise uh, had like a 60 or 70% adoption rate of AI users in their company. And this was really, really new for a lot of companies. And honestly, up to today, you know, many businesses haven't really found an answer on that. Like uh, businesses are asking themselves, like, you know, should they prohibit this, these services? You know, should they just like, you know, try to lock users out? Should they try to build their own LLM inside? And they, they are just like trying to figure it out. But right now we're in a situation where, you don't have a central data team or AI team that can control, you know, these AI technologies, but it's out there, also out there for business uh, business users to to use and, and to benefit from. And I think this, you know, really puts us in a in a in a position where um, up to the executive floor, you know, CEOs are asking themselves, you know, what is our AI strategy right now? Mm -hmm. Like I've seen CEOs asking about the data strategy like two or three years ago, but right now they are asking about the AI strategy. Some are even asking in particular about the LLM strategy and what they mean often is how can we like, you know, deal with all those people asking me, the CEO, like how can I use like things like ChatGPT and uh, how should I like, you know, teach my employees using that or should I for, uh, prohibit that you know, for, or for, 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 um, for forbid them using those tools and stuff like that. So I think this is a really exciting conversation which is uh, currently going on and, and, and businesses need to find an answer on that and they need to find the answer fast. <laughs> Right. So this is no longer going to be a technological question, but it's more of a business question. That's what has become. right? Yeah. And that's what you mean to say. 
do you want to do you mind to elaborate a bit more on that because i know the hype like you mentioned it's no longer a hype rather than just asking uh, the data strategy now the questions are not only going to be asked as ai strategy but also it's going to be llm strategy mm -hmm. and i know that llm the term llm the large language models uh, I, I wouldn't want to quote it this way, but I think uh, rather than even understanding the business problem and understanding how I can address the business problem, the question has become like uh, with the wave of this chat GPT and BART, the LLM strategy has be took over the centerpiece a bit more. So I know this is one of the newer AI innovations. How does it make it more interesting or how does it make interesting for you? And what are your perspectives on that? Yeah, you know, some, sometimes, you know, in technology, um, there are those kind of magical moments, you know, right. when even non-technical users, you know, experience that kind of magical moment. And so far, you know, there's one big company out there from California who really knows how to create these magical moments. And you probably know <laughs> what company I'm, I'm talking about. But right now, I, I, I think we have seen that magical moment also from a complete underdog company, you know, cre creating this. I, the, the last time I remember, you know, having users that kind of like an aha effect interacting with a website was probably Google search back then when it really worked well, right? And people for right. the first time were using Google search, but now they have this like aha moment from this technology, but there's a big caveat. And the big caveat is that what they get there as in return, which sounds really, really confident, and really accurate in many cases is not, you know, that accurate at all. So right. there's this big gap between what this technology appears to be doing or appears to be capable of between of you know what it is actually capable of and how you should use that. I think there are you know a ton of use cases and great use cases of how to use LLM, but I also think there's at least the same amount of use cases where you should not use LLMs for. And this kind of um, you know gap I think is an and is, is, an, is an educational topic, and um, that's also what companies mean when they talk about their LLM strategy and AI strategy. It's how to bring you know the big user base on board. It's not about how to implement that in technology and how to get the data tech people on board and how to align on the technology stack. It's not about that. It's mm -hmm. how about like to enable the 80% of the company in order to benefit from those tools. And for many businesses, the first priority is to like keep harm away from the company. So people are not misusing that or not using it in the wrong way or not exposing company secrets, like, you know, all these things. And that's why the first, you know, impulse most companies had, but so just to forbid these technologies and say, okay, you're not allowed to use that. But I think honestly, that won't be a good strategy for the long haul, uh, because as soon as you have businesses figuring out how to use um, LLMs effectively, um, I think that will be a really big competitive advantage for for any business. Uh, so you know that's why I think um, companies are trying to, trying to figure that out, and especially you know how to bring the big user base on on board and how to educate them um, on you know using these tools. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think um, great. I think this is mainly how end of the day, how do I make my users or my businesses perform better if I had these kind of additional strategy, not only the AI strategy, but also using the LM strategy and focusing more on the business problem rather than the technology. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. can give you a pretty practical example. Mm -hmm. I mean, take sales, for example, right? You know, every every salesperson that is writing currently emails by hand to a customer, you know, is actually kind of like, 
or has a really uh, big disadvantage to every salesperson who is doing the same job but using an LLM uh, because it's very easy for you know AI powered salespeople to personalize the email to you know get you know uh, to 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 get get a quick quick context of you know what happened in the previous conversations to really tailor that to um, make sure that the message has a certain uh, follows a certain framework in order to you know achieve a certain goal like booking a demo or whatever that is. And this is just one particular example. And I think there are hundreds of these examples in the average businesses from strategy planning to internal consulting, to writing marketing materials, to everything that kind of like, you know, involves some kind of like knowledge work. Um, and that's why it's so hard to really, you know, control this technology because it's not something that happens in one particular department of the company. It happens everywhere. It's a very horizontal, horizontal technology. And that's why it's so hard to kind of like govern or control this. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's a big leverage uh, because like, you know, once you have this horizontal technology like electricity, you know, you just switch right. it on and it's there um, for, you know, the, the better or for the worse. And, and, and I think this will be really, really critical to, to uh, you know, to figure this out. Uh, but I see definitely a ton of use cases, you know, in, in, in businesses right now for this. And, and a lot of businesses are actually adopting that also, you know, with a you know, good, uh, good, good number of successes there. True, true. And I, I greatly echo what you're saying and like um, how it can add additional benefits to the creative world or the creative um, technologies that we we folks are, are also focused on, right? Like now I have this, I want to take this tangential question like from an author to an author. Uh, I have authored a book during the COVID time and you have authored a book which has become very viral. Uh and this was all before chat GPT days. Now, <laughs> the reason why I'm bringing this up is that um, I know nowadays people are putting together, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking out any any uh, <laughs> efforts out of that from people who are leveraging chat GPT or AI assisted tools, which is fair enough, right? Like you could use these tools and put together, but like from an author to another, I have this question. You have put together this great book before the chat GPT, before the times. Would you want to briefly talk about that and your experience in putting together your thoughts uh, about how you came up with the idea of putting together this book, the AI-powered BI? Yeah, I mean, maybe before I talk about that book, honestly, you know, if I had ChatGPT back then, it would have been so much easier. <laughs> I tell right, you that. Right. And and you know, just just to quickly, you know, dial into that, it's it's not about having ChatGPT, you know, write the book for you. I, I think you know that's you know a lot of people associate yes, with, yes. but that's not the point. I give you some you know really brief examples. Um, I'm based in Germany. I'm a non-native English speaker, but you know, I still write a book in English. So. Right. Like having a tool like ChatGPT just helped me, you know, figuring out grammar and helping me, you know, put bullet points into a good text that sounds like, you know, style that I want to have. That's a big um, advantage. Or another thing that I use ChatGPT a lot of, uh, you know, for is to give it a text that I wrote and I just ask it for a contrarian opinion on that or, you know, to, you know, just give me some criticism about that to maybe see some blind spots that I would not see otherwise, which is you know, especially when it comes to book writing, normally a task that, you know, tech editors are doing, you know, or technical reviewers are doing. And now what I have is like, I have a technical reviewer by my side all the time that I can, you know, just ask, okay, please, you know, take this article or take this chapter apart, right? And give me some, you know, uh, criticism about that. And 
And, and you know, I think there are really great ways to interact with tech technology. And it's not about like having this technology write the book for you. It's about helping you and assisting you to write this book. And uh, I think if I had this tech, you know, it would be much easier to uh, to rewrite the book right <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, like dialing into this uh, or talking about the book in particular, um, it's called AI Powered Business Intelligence. Uh, it was published by O'Reilly last year. And it's all about how you can use AI to um, improve analytics and to prove mm -hmm. business intelligence and you know try to make better reports and you know better forecasts and also unlocking unstructured data and um when i wrote this book there was like i mean we had gpt3 but these things we are all very far from being you know very accessible to the average users um and back then people were really like constrained to areas where Software vendors like, you know, for example, Microsoft Power BI, you know, that's, you know, software that I covered in my book and like extensively have built in AI features in order to um, interact with data. For example, there's something like the uh, Q&A feature where you can just like ask your uh, data set a certain question, you know, like how was my sales last month? And then we get just the, the answer from the data set directly. Uh, but now with LLMs, you know, this capability is, of course, like, you know, supercharged to a new level. And it's also not only restricted to the uh, to the BI tools. And um, I think this is, you know, can be a big opportunity, but it also, you know, opens up a whole new different set of problems. Like, how do you make sure that these results are really correct? How do you make sure that there's no data leakage outside your organizations and things like that? So I think, uh, like... My book is not even a year old, but there has already been a complete, completely new, like complex or topic complex opened up, you know, that is probably very worth exploring in this regard. So, yeah, um, the, the the good thing for me is that the whole topic on AI for BI is definitely expanding in the future. <laughs> so there will be definitely a lot of more things to talk about. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that's the, um, that's how, how AI can, can impact um, analytics and uh, the BI space. Right, right. So greatly, uh, um, I agree that uh, that is a particular niche area, right? Like AI powered business intelligence or how do you improve analytics and make it better for the business users. So diving a bit into that, I want to get into this business problem, right? Like the reason why you put this book or the reason why you have started uh, your journey into this is that addressing some of these typical challenges that are faced by the customers. And uh, why do you, before even get getting there, uh, I would want to take a step back and understand why do you think that this is a typical problem that is faced by the customers? And why do you think that it has to be addressed? Maybe you can take the context of mm -hmm. the, the the how you're dealt with AI-powered analytics or AI-powered business intelligence for your customers. Yeah, sure. So um, maybe I need to go back in, in history for that a little bit. Uh, so a couple of years back, I was working as a, as a data scientist in a medium-sized corporation here in, here in Germany, and I was part of a um, data and analytics team. And in this data analytics team, our goal was to yeah, build predictive models and do things like customer churn prediction, next best offer modeling, and so on. Um, and the same company, but in a completely different business unit, there was a uh, BI team. And the goal of the BI team was to provide insights to the company. And the problem back then was that the BI team and our data analytics team, like we completely spoke different languages because right. the BI team also historically, you know, had a very strong financial background and had 
to do a lot of uh, you know, had to do a lot of things with uh, financial financial uh, planning and, and, and controlling and so on. And and we came more from the from the marketing side of things, and we, we you know came with our predictive models and data science approach and uh, doing stuff in R and Python and so on. So we had this gap between the AI and BI team or data and BI team. Mm-hmm. And then like the CEO of the company said, okay, like what what's our overall data strategy? Like, how do we get the average user on board? Because the BI system back then also had a big disadvantage because it's like, you know, there wasn't a big user adoption in the, like, you know, in, in right. the wide enterprise. Uh, like business leaders were using it because they were checking their sales numbers. But, you know, it was not like the average, you know, employee would log in in the morning and just check the BI tool, you know. And why wouldn't they do that? Because uh, there was a lot of friction involved. And one of that friction was that when you open these BI tools, you know, you will see a mirror of what company data looks like right now. And this is company data is really complex, has a lot of dimensions. There's no, there's nothing like, you know, a single, single source of truth. You know, there are different, like I, I can tell you five different customer mm-hmm. counts and all of them are correct, you know, just depending on how I define what a customer is and 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 these things. And uh, we, we figured out that there needs to be an aligned effort between the data and the BI team in order to tackle these challenges in order to make data more accessible to the business. Because if the core data teams are not able to collaborate on their Mm -hmm. core topic, which is data, I think the whole business will never get to a point where they all adopt a certain data-driven or data analytics mindset. So I think we need to have this alignment. And this is where, you know, it uh, you know, where, where I was triggered to, to to write this book and try to align the, uh, the the data science and BI team, and I think especially in BI departments, um, there are a lot of smart people who have worked with data for like decades in many cases, and they have you know a good understanding of the pitfalls of the average company data of what you could do with it, about what business users want to have. And now if you enable them a little bit with, you know, technology uh, that can help them, for example, to, you know, put user interfaces uh, on top of the data that is helping users to query data in natural language, for example, uh, or that enables users to, or business intelligence professionals or BI engineers to uh, build predictive models or forecasts based on data, which, you know, they know is good and which they know are, good signals for, you know, future outcomes. Um, I think then you have a much higher leverage of bringing these insights uh, and bringing data in general to the business uh, because it doesn't make sense, right, to, to tackle the problem from different angles. You need to have that joint effort. Otherwise, uh, it's it, it's not possible to get the majority of people on board. And, and, and I think, you know, in the end, that's the end goal. Like mm-hmm. if you want to be a data-driven business, you need to get the 80% of the users in the company and you can't only focus on the 20% of the data champions that you have and you know some of the excel heroes that you have in your organization you need to you, you need to win the masses right, for you and, right. and 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 yeah and and that's why i say okay let's start with by aligning the core data teams which is like data science slash analytics and the bi team and just try to you know make them talk the same language and adopt the same tools and try to have an alignment here and bring them closer together and this is what this whole book is all about uh, so yeah, that's you know that, that that's what, how I why I wrote this book and also uh, the the need that I saw from my own experience in that. And I completely uh, echo with you because this is where many of the challenges that are faced by these enterprise businesses are the consumer businesses, right? Like you have uh, your data science team sitting, they're talking a different language, and then you have your analytics and the business team sitting on the other side, they have 
they speak in a completely different language and how do you marry this information together and how do you showcase so this is where uh, maybe when you elaborate when you have elaborated a bit on that how do you take the impact of these different uh, predictive analytics or these machine learning or th these data science tools that you have and how do you take that and provide that uh, and how do you make that impact better for the business user right i think that is where you focused on bringing the impact of these different data science tools or these different data science techniques so that the business users or the end users can benefit more. Any particular example or anything that you would like to quote? We don't need to go into the specifics yeah. of the customer or the specifics of the, but holistically, do you want to speak mm -hmm. about any example that can uh, highlight the audience a bit more on that? Yeah, sure. So I think bottom line is you need to make it easier for right. business users. So people per default are lazy. And I'm not meaning that in a negative sense, right? That's right, right. You know, human nature. And we have to kind of accept that. Uh, so for example, I'll give you an example with customer churn prediction. Like there are two ways you can, you know, tackle this customer churn prediction uh, use case. The first one would be to build a predictive model, you know, to score all the, you know, maybe just expanding on customer churn prediction. So you want to predict what customers are like leaving the business next month or, you know, not re, you know, renewing mm -hmm. their contracts next month, next year, whatever the business cycle is here. Um, the first way to do that is, you know, you model your customer base, you make a prediction for every customer, you take the prediction and you put that into the BI dashboard, you know, and then the information sits there and lives happily ever after, but no one cares about that information because they are not looking into the BI dashboard. Right. The other way would be to take this information and directly bring it to the people, uh, bring it to the place in the business where people actually care about the information. And that might be, you know, in Salesforce and the CRM system that the business is using so they can Salespersons can, for example, you know, filter customers that have a very high churn likelihood, and you maybe call them first instead of, you know, taking this easy call, you know, you know, calling, you know, a, a customer where they know they will come back again. You know, it's just more of a, you know, uh, courtesy call to to call them. Uh, something like that. That could be an example. Another example could be, you know, you could either show your business users a complex dashboard with. 24 metrics and 124 dimensions and, you know, giving them a seminar on how to drill down and how to slice and dice the data and build their own reports. Mm -hmm. Or the other option could be to reformulate or redesign your data model in a way that these data models can be accessed by natural language processing technology. Um, that starts with uh, schema descriptions. That starts with uh, maybe breaking up your uh, star schema a little bit and maybe going back more to flat tables, trying to have small data mods inside your BI model. And then inserting a layer of natural language processing where business users can really easily question and you know interact with your data just by using natural language. And that does not even have to involve large language models. Like we had mm -hmm. this before LLMs, you know, hit the scene. Um, and, you know, a lot of BI tools have, you know, have that built in, but what it, it's often, it's not used. And why it's not used? Because the data models are not ready for that. Right. And I think we need to take the data models. We need to accept that users like this um, natural language interface to interact with data. And we need to bring the data models to a place where it's easier for these NLP interfaces to, you know, query the data and to and, and to make robust and reliable um yeah, um, queries. 
And um, these these will be two examples. And the bottom line here is, you know, try to make it easier for for the business users to to interact with data and and to get the insights they want. And um, because I think in the end, business users want to have insights and to want they want to have you know uh, numbers and data. But in so many cases, it's just so hard to get to that place. And in many businesses, once you find a number or once you find a certain KPI. You know, and you go to an analyst and you ask them, okay, can I trust this number? And they say, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> you must not go into that, you know, in, 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 in into that space. Uh, so it's really important to, you know, make it as easy and seamless for, for the users as possible. Great, great. I like I like the way you have put it as the way you have explained with these two examples that are obvious, because that is the that that is a differentiating factor where how you can uh, make the end user feel more comfortable with the tools that they have at hand and how you are providing it to them so that it can add additional value to them. So um, that's, uh, yeah, great. Maybe I think um, we'll take a quick break and then come back and go into our final segment of our conversation so that we can uh, discuss a bit uh, more on uh, <clears throat> the different technologies that you are using, whether it is the uh, large language models or the different technologies that we use here. All right, uh, welcome back. I think we are having some amazing conversation with uh, Mr. Tobias. Uh, I would want to now uh, uh, dive a bit more deeper into the uh, aspect of, uh, I know now we did talk about the business problem. We did talk about how this business problem can be addressed by uh, making these data assisted tools or these data 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 science the data available to the end user i would want to go a bit more on that aspect of us about how do you measure the effectiveness or evaluate the effectiveness of these different uh, techniques that we are doing whether these are different tools or the different solutions that are pro that we are providing to the end user or the businesses yeah, honestly, I think that's a tough one. That's a tough nut to crack uh, because you have to just acknowledge that there isn't really a single business metric that you can tie to, you know, some predictive model, at least not in the average business where you right. say, okay, you know, if I improve the accuracy, you know, my revenue will go up to a certain percent. We, we see those phenomenon in like, you know, tech industries or tech businesses, like, you know, if you're e-commerce store, you know, that makes hundreds of millions and, you know, improve the recommendation there and then revenue goes up. But even in those cases, it's often very hard to, um, you know, to, to, to track that. And when we look in uh, scenarios where you have a human in loop, it gets mm -hmm. even more uh, more complex and even more more difficult. Uh, so I get to give you an example with that churn prediction, right? Um, if you, if you create a churn prediction, like nothing will happen, you know, just based on that prediction. You know, some 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 human needs to act based on that information, you know, because this is driving the business. So how do you can how, how can you measure that? And I think the very first primitive measure you should do is trying to track the usage of your data or analytics tools. So you should have a metric of how often are you know people using the BI tool, for example? What are your most popular dashboards used in the organization? 
if you have analytics or if you have data that you want to uh, you know use in your for for your sales organization you should have very primitive metrics such as like how many you know how how many interactions did did you have like did this go up or did this go down? Um, mm -hmm. Or if you have a very important like data field in your CRM system, which you uh, like, for example, the, the, the customer churn prediction um, field, you would need to figure out like how many, in, in, in how many cases is that field filled, for example? Some very simple basics just to figure out if things are working correctly and working as expected. Uh, because once you have the human in there, it gets very hard to like, you know, control that and very hard to to, to measure that but you should have at least the essentials right. And this is before a human can act on your data, they always have to see it in the first place. And I think this is where you can measure it, right? You can measure like how people are interacting with a certain piece of internal software, for example, um, or, or a dashboard or a report. Um, and I've seen, you know, something um, which is not directly a KPI, but I think it, you know, dials pretty much into this discussion, which is uh, there was a PDF report which was shared across the organization. And mm -hmm. at the very beginning, you know, there were just like, you know, three or four people in the um, in this email, uh, in the email field uh, got this report. And this email list grew up to, I think, uh, 40 people in the end. And this, mm -hmm. you know, indicated to us that, okay, there seems to be some excitement about this data. So maybe we should take this more seriously. <laughs> um, but, you know, things like that are a good proxy of, you know, how people are actually caring about some information. And um, that's, you know, one step I would start with. And beyond than that, and trying to do more advanced models of, you know, measuring the business impact, that really depends on the actual use case and, and what you're trying to achieve and what try, what, what, what lever you're trying to pull in the end. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I see it. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think this takes us to the right segue of my interesting question that I put in my um, uh, podcast conversations with my guests, or I call, I, I sometimes call it as a million dollar question, right? Like depends on um, uh, how we take it. Uh, so this gets us into, into a nice segue into the interesting question that I put during my uh, podcast conversations, or I call it as uh, the million dollar question. It's great that you brought up the usage aspect of how do you make which of these characteristics better and how the end users are using it. I also know that uh, the question, I also know that you have, uh, uh, you're very great and very active in this uh, LinkedIn community and, uh, and your followers from, grew from 2000 to 50,000 in the last one year. How did you differentiate yourself from the competition? Or how did you make your community, uh, any few, I went into the blog where you're discussing about the four main key factors. So how do you differentiate or how do you make your community leverage the benefits that you have provided? Any thoughts around that? Yeah, I think like two two things really. So uh, the first thing I always try to share what I learn myself. You know, things that I do and uh, also things that I, I I do in business. So whenever it's possible, I you know try to um, to share things with you know other people publicly in order to you know to help them out and honestly also to you know give something back because I think there's no other you know tech community on the world compared to the data community where knowledge 
and technological advance, technological uh, technological advancement are just shared so freely. Um, so yeah, I think I, that that's one thing I really like about the whole data ecosystem, data community, and I really hope that it will stay like this for a long time. So I'm you know trying to, uh, you know, contribute uh, whatever I can here. And the other thing is, I always you know try to not intimidate people by these you know terms and by this technology. I I, I try to explain things in a as easy as possible understand uh, language and as a uh, also a language which a non-technical you know person should be able to understand uh so that's something that you know i always try to um you know try try to achieve and also i i always try to you know just be really supportive and, and encouraging because uh i have here i've heard so many times that people say oh i'm not a data person or i mm -hmm. i can't do statistics like you know that's all too complicated and i'm like no, like everyone can calculate a mean <laughs> and everyone right. can ask a critical question. Like there's nothing like you, 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 you are not born as a data person. Like, and, and I think when it comes to statistics in particular, a lot of people think about very complex hypotheses, tests and p-values. They heard some like decades ago in their, in their, in their university and they'd never want to deal with that again. Uh, which is fine, but then again, like you know, statistics is also like being able to look at a histogram, for example, and just being able to understand if you know there's a certain maximum in the distribution and where's that maximum, uh, or you know, or some even more trivial things. And I think just helping people, you know, along that journey and encouraging people to you know become a little bit more of a you know data person without like turning into a data scientist or so, that's completely fine. But, but just try, just trying to help people, you know, get into the space. And the same applies to AI. You know, I have the feeling, and this is the opening uh, page in my book, that when you speak with people about AI, you know, a lot of people have that Hollywood impression of AI, of, you know, robots try, trying to, you know, conquer <laughs> humanity and so on. And I think this is really not the case, right? right. And, 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 and right now you just have to accept AI as a technology, which can really help you in order to, you know, just be more productive and, you know, do better things. Uh, similar to like writing an email, right? Or using a spreadsheet software or using Google search. And you need to know how to use those things. Um, but before you can learn those things, you know, it all starts in your head. You need to be mentally ready by yourself and say, yes, I can do it. Like if <laughs> trillion people or a hundred million people out there can use ChatGPT, I can do it as well, <laughs> right? So it starts with yourself. And I, I really like, you know, give people the mindset of, you know, hey, you can do this, right? You know, this is not, rocket science you know you can turn it into rocket science if you want to but there's no need to excuse me to there's no need to start with rocket science from the beginning great i think amazing uh, conversation with you uh, tobias uh really thank you for joining the podcast today and sharing your wisdom around the power of ai and ai powered bi uh can you share any key takeaways for our audience any remarks or any additional references that you would like to provide obviously uh, a wealth of uh, the information that you have any references yeah of course um like as always like feel free to you know follow me on on, on social media on, on on linkedin on on and on twitter i'm you know very active there uh also feel free to uh read my book or subscribe to my newsletter so i'm yeah, really sharing a lot of content and otherwise, I would just say, like, you know, bottom line, when when you hear AI, just try to stay open-minded. Just see what's in there for you. And if there's nothing in there for you right now, that's also okay. You know, but just start with an open mindset with that. And also, you know, believe in yourself. Uh, you can do this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you, 
amazing conversation with you, Tobias. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Rago. It's really my pleasure being here on this podcast. I really enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. All right. So that brings us to the end of uh, episode 53 of Extra AI. So let us now wrap up this uh, podcast by first uh, thanking our extraordinary guest, Tobias Wingman, for taking the time and providing us some valuable insights and his experiences in AI and data science, which have enlightened us all and reaffirmed how these technologies are realistically pushing the boundaries. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in as well. Your curiosity and thirst for knowledge always drives this podcast. And remember to check out Tobias's book, AI-powered BI, and his insightful newsletter, AI4BI.rocks. And here's to building some valuable business use cases with AI. As always, you can reach out to me via my LinkedIn post or uh, LinkedIn handle, Raghu Banda or my Twitter handle, RK Banda. You could also directly reach out to my guest, Tobias Wingman, since I'll be tagging him on the LinkedIn post here. You could also go into my website, extraai.com, X-T-R-A-W-A-I.com and find a huge uh, treasure of information and huge treasure of podcasts that I have done across various different domains. As always, provide your feedback, which is where, which is what keeps me going, keeps us going. Until the next episode, keep innovating, keep learning, and stay curious. This is Raghu Banda signing off from Extra AI. Happy predicting the future with AI technologies, and have a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're tuned in from. Bye bye now. <laughs>